Welcome back to the next installment of My Father Before Me. I'm your host, Brendan Sam. Joining me as usual is my own father. Yellow. Um, today we have uh, the highly anticipated uh, My Father Before Me Christmas episode. Uh, what what perfect piece of cinema are we discussing today, Dad? Uh, well, today, of course, is the... Uh, I'll start with the tagline. There's two taglines on IMDb. The first one is their official tagline, and that's Luke Skywalker and Han Solo battle evil Imperial forces to help Chewbacca reach his imperiled family on the Wookiee planet in time for Life Day, their most important day of the year. (laughs) That's such a long tagline. Which doesn't feel very accurate considering Luke is just sitting in a workshop. But the more uh, accurate tagline um, is credited with the tagline for the bootleg edition. And that tagline is, the scariest movie ever made isn't a horror film. <laughs> yeah, that works. That works. So today we're talking the uh, the Star Wars holiday special. And this one's a little bit of a departure. Um, normally, as we've, we've seen the past few times we've talked about movies, they've been movies that I've had on VHS. And I keep mentioning I burned the VHS, right? Burned up the VHS. This one uh, came out in December of 78. I would have been three. Uh, We did not record it. And it was not something I saw until later in my years because nobody wants you to see it, including the people who made it. Um, So this one has been kind of a, uh, you know, it's it's a a red herring or a a wild goose for people in the... uh, the geek community. And, and finally, when I watched it, I realized uh, where we've come from. So I, th- I thought that it's a good thing to, uh, to talk about it. <laughs> good is, is kind of, you're being a little liberal with these of that word. <laughs> I mean, I um, will say there is no way to get at it. We had to watch it a uh, uh, bootlegged uh, version on the YouTubes. Um, so <laughs> yeah, super high quality cut. I think for a while, the only way to get it was to, um, you know, go in the back room of a comic con and somebody happened to have a VHS bootleg copy. I know that, uh, you know, George Lucas, um, he tried to buy up all the master copies to make sure that it never got out. And he was, uh, famous for saying in a, in an interview once that if he, if he had the time and the money, he would spend it all with a sledgehammer going and trying to smash every bootleg copy there was. (laughs) So he's not a fan. That's right. But I do have to say that this gave us one important thing. It gave us one aspect. You know, we always talk about what we got out of these old uh, movies, and usually it's something technical uh, or, you know, some kind of fun storytelling. In this case, what we got out of it was one of the most uh, famous plot lines ever uh, because, indirectly, Harrison Ford really didn't want to do this, but he was contractually obligated to do it. And he worked very hard after this to fix his contract so he wouldn't have to do it, (laughs) which is why at the end of Empire Strikes Back, he is encased in carbonite because they didn't know if they're going to get him back for the third movie. (laughs) So you can see that this holiday special could be credited with give us one of the most uh, famous plot lines in the Star Wars universe, I guess. (laughs) Is this the thing that made him feel like maybe Han Solo should die? <laughs> it was at this point he was like, he "No, I do, I do have to say, I think that uh, you know he is credited and with uh, saying that he should have died in A New Hope. That was always his plan for him, although George didn't want to do that. Um, so maybe it was before this that he wanted to, but this definitely you know put the nail in the coffin. I guess you, you could say. But there's some uh, fun interviews out there. I, I was watching one with Conan. Uh, O'Brien, where he was talking to Harrison Ford. Harrison really didn't like the questioning, you could tell. But, uh, you know, he's always been a character when it comes to interviews, so maybe he's just playing along. But uh, I will say, you know, I I took a few notes on it. Uh, You know, right off the beginning, we get our little, uh, we get a fun action scene that you would think is an actual Star Wars movie from, from the 70s, but... You know, that lasted five minutes, and then we rolled into what we got. But during the credits, you'll notice that we actually did get James Earl Jones credited. Now, in the A New Hope, he was not credited as the voice of Darth Vader originally. Really? Because all he did was give his voice. So at the time, he just didn't get credited for it. So it was the first time that James Earl Jones was actually given credit for the voice of Darth Vader. 
which was kind of interesting. You know, if we talk, if we're out, if we're looking at the credits, you know, we've got the cast. I'm sure you didn't. Did you recognize any of them? You recognized the Golden Girl for sure. B. Arthur? Is yes. She, yeah, I knew her. I didn't know that she was a Golden Girl, but I knew the name. <laughs> okay. So, and uh, Art, yeah, that was, Art that Carney. Was... Art Carney, did you recognize him? Art Carney was um, the skinny guy on the Honeymooners. Um, I... If that gives you any reference, that might be too old for you, too. Is that with um, uh, the guy who was like, one of these days? <laughs> is Let's that the see. Honeymooners or is that a different yes, show? Yes, yes. That, okay. that is the Honeymooners. And Art Carney was his, uh, his skinny little friend. Um <laughs> Uh, so that, that's where he came from. And then, um, who else were we talking about there? Oh, um, Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman was huge in variety shows. He was on the Carol Burnett show. I mean, he was a big get at the time too. So of course they are in their later years and stuff, but, uh, they definitely, uh, you know, they got some names as a variety show and that was the goal. They wanted to do a star Wars variety show. Now, what I, have heard on a few interviews is that George Lucas, of course, had a different plan. At some point, he was too busy trying to get Empire Strikes Back out. Uh, so he just gave the reins to CBS and said, here's the characters, do what you want. And that's why we got what we got. And we never saw another one. Um, I do know George always had the plan that he wanted to do, you know, holiday specials every year. Of course, he wanted to get that out there. He wanted to keep Star Wars Alive. That was the main reason he signed on to do this because he was worried at the time because, you know, there wasn't home video, you know, there wasn't streaming or anything like that. And he was worried that the, um, the Star Wars phenomenon would have faded from people's minds before we got to Empire Strikes Back. So that's why he wanted to do it when he wanted to make sure to keep it out there. And then, of course, you know, I'm sure they had toy deals, even though famously no toys came of it. Um, I think I, I, I saw one thing where recently one of the toy companies uh, put out a um, Boba Fett that was colorized in the as the animated guy because it's a little right. bit lighter color. It's a different color scheme than what he ends up with in the movie. Um, and they put out a figure that was colorized that way. But other than that, I don't think there's been any um, action figures or toys made from the, the holiday special, even though I think they had a, a Toyland plan, but they scrapped it. For some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, this was one of those things that obviously didn't didn't work. It it flopped pretty yes, bad. Yes, it was terrible. Not even as just like a, a project in and of itself, but as a Christmas project or a holiday project. They spent probably six minutes talking about Life Day, and the rest is just random stuff. Which you know, the funny part about that is, is it's uh, I think what it's build the holiday special. Yeah, it's build the holiday special, but in actuality. Um, they've came out and said that Life Day was supposed to be more of an ang- analog to Thanksgiving than Christmas because it actually was released and shown prior to Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. So it was supposed to be some kind of a Thanksgiving analog, I believe, is what they, they've uh, they've come out and said. Now, since then, of course, everybody equates it to the Christmas, the Wookiee Christmas and stuff. But, right. Uh, the Wookiees, of course, uh, the main, main uh, focus of the first... <laughs> 10 minutes, you know, 10, 15 minutes of, <laughs> of n- no dialogue. <laughs> yeah, that was... that. Every scene in this movie... Was this, like we were talking about with the Ewok Adventures, they had to fill them out to make it two hours with commercials. Did they have the same thing with this? Because there's so much just filler in here. I'm just like, these scenes are extended for no reason. Well, and this is, you know, we don't see the variety shows as much anymore. But this is kind of the variety show model where you have this really thin plot line. And then you throw in little vignettes. I mean, we talk about the the cooking show with the four-armed lady, you know, being in there. And that was that was a big hunk of the of this section. Uh, where it was just uh, Harvey Corman trying to, uh, well, you know, didn't come off very, it didn't work. (laughs) And then you've got the, uh, for some reason, all the Imperial store troopers have to stop and watch a live feed of a canteen on Tatooine, probably because they had all the creatures (laughs) and uh, they, they had the set is my guess. So, so they had to do that where B Arthur sings and then one guy, uh, well, he creeps on her. (laughs) Yeah, pretty heavily. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, this was the uh, the variety show model. And, I, you know, I'm trying to think back. I don't think you 
you know, we never really had a lot of variety shows as you were growing up and we didn't watch a lot of them. I mean, back in the day we had, you know, the, uh, Sonny and Cher, I can't remember the exact title, but they had a variety show. There was, uh, I think there was, a um, the, uh, Brady Bunch had a variety show at one point, you know, and, and it was kind of a, a special thing. Now, of course, then there was also comedy skit shows, you know, and that kind of thing, but it, it was kind of the, beginning of that idea of course we had saturday night live came out in 75 so you know around that time is when you started seeing variety shows and where they're just trying to do that kind of thing um where you just like i say take a real thin plot which thank god they put something in there otherwise it would have just been grunting the whole time (laughs) of course eventually they bring in uh you know art carney has to show up with the wookies just so we have a person speaking english but yeah i uh why didn't they at least put subtitles in? Well, it's a brave choice. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure that it is a, a uh, you know, it's, it's, it's got some kind of a, uh, backgrounds in literature. You know, I don't know. No, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not an art film by any means. But, uh, yeah, I don't know why they did it. And I do know that somebody was credited because George, I think it was George, it might have been, I don't know. I know there were two directors. And one of them at one point um, left after doing, he did the, um, he, he directed the uh, um, the Jefferson Starship uh, music video. Oh, yeah. And one other thing, <laughs> and then he left due to creative differences. Um, and then somebody else had to come and pick it up, and I, I can't even remember the names. Of course, they're, they're, they're both bygone. Um, probably TV people, you know, just to uh, get some, get a product in and get it done, but uh I do know that there was some questioning about that because they were worried about it. Somebody said they were worried about it becoming an episode of Lassie, you know, where, because the what? show Lassie was just Timmy saying, Lassie, somebody's in the well, because Lassie's just sitting and barking, right? Right. So they're worried about that. And, and you know, you can definitely, you can feel it. Um, that Those those first 10 minutes, it's, it's just, a, just them growling back at each other. But you got the gist, right? He had to take out the trash. I mean, you should know that. You had to take out the trash. Uh, and he wanted a cookie. And uh, Grandpa was growly, wandering around the place. <laughs> yeah. I like how they, they went so far as to, like, make his mouth go, like, his bottom lip go up so you could tell he's really old. Yeah, he definitely had the old man look. And I wonder if Chewbacca grows old, if that's how he's going to look. But uh... Isn't Chewbacca, like... How old? I, I, there was like a ridiculous, like he actually has an age in canon and it's like stupid. What was it? Solo or something? Is two something? 200 something? Yeah. 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 So it's just stupid. How long do Wookiees live then? I don't know. Grandpa obviously is real old if his mouth did that. Yeah. Is he as old as Yoda? What if he growls and his speech pattern is like Yoda's speech pattern? <laughs> he growls backwards? There you go. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously that was, you know, like I say, a brave choice. Yeah, to it get was that in there, but certainly uh, that. Um, you know, we talked on the uh, the Ewok special we talked about last week. How once the Ewok cartoon came out, they all all the Ewoks spoke English, and the second Ewok movie, they had to have Wicket start speaking a little bit of English <laughs> yeah. instead of just Ewok noises. Um, partially because they didn't have well, even you know, we go back to the first Ewok movie, we had uh, um, Burl Ives doing the voiceover because it would have just been Ewoks making noises, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe I guess they learned something from this before they got to the Ewok movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, there's a silver lining at least. Are we just going to continue to dance around the weird part in the middle <laughs> with the grandpa? <laughs> hey, he got a gift. And, and, and you know what? People say it's a subtle way of saying grandpa's watching porn in the living room. Um, but in actuality, it, it's not very subtle at all because one of the creators of the special was credited with saying, yeah, this was our way to put, get uh, softcore porn past the, uh, the board and <laughs> get it on network TV. Why was that a goal? <laughs> I don't, and he definitely, well, you know, I'm sure that, uh, well, uh, something Carol, um, shoot, I forgot her name. Uh, obviously she probably had some new hit out and she had some contract with CBS. Diane, um, Carroll. Diane Carroll. That's right. She had, she probably had something at some contract with a CBS record label. So they said, you're putting her in there and that's how they decided to do it. But. Yeah. That was so weird. And it wasn't like, you know, 
a little like they it's another one of those extended scenes like it was like five six minutes long it was so weird it was cringy yes <laughs> but you know obviously you know grandpa held it all together okay so yeah maybe maybe it's good they didn't put subtles subtitles in for that part that would have been pretty awkward <laughs> well we got enough out of her so out of, out of diane carroll who knew how he was feeling <laughs> is your fantasy yeah it was so weird yeah what a what an interesting choice yeah that definitely was you know everybody got a gift so yes and you know part of that this is something that i didn't realize maybe because i i lost my focus but uh you know the little uh well lumpy was the kid's name (laughs) which was short for something i don't know if you look in the the imdb trivia somebody put in their actual full names itchy's not his real not grandpa's real name but uh um anyways lumpy gets a uh uh transmitter kit or something like that uh that he can uh build let's see oh yeah there it is lumwarump or lumperarump yeah that's very uh I got, that's what I'm going to name my firstborn child. Lump a world. Oh, no. I apologize to that's the future hilarious. generation. Oh, and the, the grandpa's is Atichikuk? Atichikuk? And they shorten that to Itchy. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if uh, you want to be called Itchy, but... <laughs> oh. I, I mean, it was definitely interesting. And I, I will say, you know, some of the things... You know, we talked about Art Carney, but his character, that shopkeeper... That was actually George's initial idea for Lando. Oh, that Lando okay. would be some kind of a, a little shopkeeper guy or, or shop or entrepreneur that, you know, just kind of had this little shop and would feed stuff to the rebels and stuff. Of course, and I assume that he always had the plan that he'd kind of turn on him like he did. And spoiler alert, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> uh, but um, so that was, uh, you know, George was trying to work things out. Right. right. And I, obviously... Um, they named the, uh, the Wookiee's place was Kazook instead of Kashyyyk. So, I mean, they didn't quite have all their, they didn't have their lore Bible down just yet. Yeah. I don't they think didn't, so. They didn't plan everything out. Um, there was a surprising amount of like musical numbers in this movie. There was like four or five. Well, and that's the variety show. And like I said, uh, my guess is that you talk to, um, you know, some CBS exec had a contract with Lewis, or not Lewis Carroll, uh, um, Diane Carroll. And then you have um, Jefferson Starship, which used to be Jefferson Airplane, became Jefferson Starship, then became Starship. So there's a there's a little uh, music history for you. But this was in the middle. This was Jefferson Starship. Of course, like I said, they just had a new album out, and I think it said that they released that song as a single or something, or a B-side to singles. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it got any traction or not. But uh, and then uh, you know, so all of that kind of led to well, the variety show aspect. And that was what a variety show was: get the music in there. And of course, B. Arthur singing. Um, I do know at the end, um, Carrie Fisher said she'd do it, but only if she got to sing. And then once they gave her the song, she didn't like it. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is kind of funny, though, because if you listen real hard to her song, it's actually the Star Wars theme. It's John Williams' Star Wars theme behind the song. So there you go. You always, you never knew there were words to that theme. But uh. <laughs> Wow, great. <laughs> that There was that one, like, early on. I think it might have even been in, in, like, that 10 minutes of the Wookiees at the beginning. Where there's like that weird performance, like the it's like a hollow chest table, but then there's like a whole twelve man group that mm-hmm. starts performing. Yes, is that a thing or well, like? Well, I mean, think of uh, to to me, it reminded me of like a Cirque du Soleil or something like that, and I think that's the other scene that the director directed before he left the project. So he did the 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 two little hollow scenes or whatever, I guess, but. Uh, you know, I so the, I guess, yeah, you're thinking Cirque du Soleil or some kind of thing. I mean, obviously, in that scene, they wanted to do something where there was no voices or anything like that. So what is it? It's a circus, which is interesting that the Wookiees, their their uh, their form of entertainment is uh, humans. Yeah, right? yeah. Jefferson Starship, 
uh, uh, female uh, softcore porn, human porn, and uh, then I mean Even- maybe maybe the little dancing dudes were. Might have had some different stuff. I don't know. I couldn't tell. But. Yeah, they. I, at least one of them had like a green face, but it could have just been paint. Even like the how-to videos, there was that guy who was. I don't even know what was going on. Was, well, he was supposed to be a robot that was glitching. Oh, and that's why. Well, why didn't they he? kept jiggling the the uh, video so that he? Uh, it looked like he was glitching a little bit, you know, and stuff. I mean, this is, I guess this is an audio podcast. You can't see my demonstration, but uh, why, why didn't why didn't they make him look like a droid? Why is he just a dude? Because it's cheaper, and oh. it is. It's Harvey Corman, right? Uh, so you bring in Harvey Corman, and he does all these parts that are supposed to be the you know Har- You think Harvey Corman back in the day? Like I say, he was on Carol Barnett show, which is a big comedy type of show, right? And these guys, you can see old clips, old comedy clips of this troupe. You know, I I mean, it was Harvey Corman, it was Carol Burnett, it was, um, uh, I think, Bob Hope. Maybe I'm thinking bad there. But there was a bunch of them, famous actors, famous comedic actors at that time, and they would do these skits. And they would do these things where they were doing just weird one-off things. And they were funny. This was not. (laughs) But I, I, I assume the point of that was that they wanted to have... You know, a variety show with these little vignettes that are supposed to be funny and fun. And it and it didn't work. I don't know whether Harvey Corman has a weird sense of humor and it didn't quite come off, or whether it is the creators and he just signed on for the paycheck or what. But Yeah, I don't, yeah, either way, there was the, no part of that was really funny. Like I was just watching it, I was like, what is going on right now? Yeah, it was not working very well. Um, but you know, like I say, that's a those were, uh, I mean, that, those were the, that is the variety show model. Now, they, like I say, there are much better examples of that. And, of course, there's a long history of variety shows um, and that worked, that were funny. Carol Burnett, like I said, back in the day, I remember watching those, those variety shows with Carol Burnett and stuff. It's pretty funny stuff. And those were the kind of shows, you know, sometimes you see it on Saturday Night Live where they will uh, crack each other up. Those are usually the best scenes when you see them, when you see that they're barely holding it in, you know, and stuff. Right. but you know, they're having fun doing that kind of thing. But. Uh, sorry. I just, I was <laughs> looking, looking through the, the cast list and I saw that those people who are the Cirque du Soleil are an actual group of performers called the Wazin Troop. The Wazin Troop spelled with an E. So they must be French. Oh, well, you gotta be to really perform. Well, good. There's uh, in the video examples of them doing it on uh, Star Wars. So there you go. Well, they see they thought it was their big hit. They oh. were going to be in a Star Wars movie. They were on the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> I guess. Anyways, <laughs> not important. Okay, so besides the live action stuff, of course we get the main thing that comes out of this and that is the introduction of Boba Fett in the animated set. <laughs> yes. Which is uh Lumpy watching a cartoon which Immediately, I'm thinking, and I never thought of this before, but they're making cartoons of the Rebels and then throwing that out over the airways? Yeah, with their names and, like, pretty accurate depictions of them. Yes. And I would think if they made that cartoon, then everybody would know Boba Fett was a bad guy. But at the beginning of the cartoon, they didn't know. So That's very true. I guess maybe... No, because the Rebels sort of make it out in the end. I was going to say maybe it's Imperial propaganda. That's a good point. But, but yeah, but just kind of... win. Yeah, well, they don't win, but they don't lose. Which is why, if you notice, uh, Lumpy had to keep on switching it. You know, it, it's the uh, it's the uh, um, the guy at work who's playing a, a game and then has to alt tab quick when the <laughs> boss walks behind him, so it looks That's like funny. he's working on his spreadsheet. But, um, but yeah, so this is the introduction of Boba Fett, and I will recommend on if you haven't watched it yet on Disney Plus, they've got a and it's kind of I think it kind of got pushed up to trending. They've actually got a documentary. And it was probably tied into Book of Boba Fett coming out. But a short little documentary on the creation of Boba Fett and that sort of thing. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, George and or Ralph, Ralph McQuarrie, of course, the famous artist who did a lot of the uh, concept art for Star Wars originally, right? He's credited with giving us a lot of the visualizations of Star Wars um, in concept art form. Well, he designed, he him and George designed uh, Boba Fett. You know, he started out and he was, um, it was all, he was all in white. The whole suit was white and, you know, they were still working on it and stuff and they were doing screen tests. And then, 
you know, wherever Skywalker Ranch is or at that time, wherever that was, I know there, there was some kind of a Star Wars parade and George just said, well, he's coming. So they had a guy who was working on it, put on the suit because it happened to fit him and he walked down the parade. So there are scenes of an all white Boba Fett walking down this parade and everybody was excited. Nobody knew what this guy was because, of course, Empire Strikes hadn't been out yet. Or Empire Strikes Back hadn't been out yet. So it was pretty exciting to see him. And then, of course, you know, once we get to Empire Strikes Back, he gets a, even more of a color change from this animated. But you'll notice, you know, in the in the uh, in the animation, he's got that rifle that um, they used in Mandalorian. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of fun um, when they when they created the Mandalorian, they, they used that as an example. So that was pretty cool. But. Yeah, so I mean that's where we're credited, you know, the first the introduction of Boba Fett, you know, and stuff, which again, at the time, I didn't I don't remember seeing this. If I did, it was because dad sat me in front of it when I was 3, but I don't remember it much. And um so of course then you get to um Empire Strikes Back and it's like who's this, you know, and stuff and and they definitely feel like they make more out of him than you would think. In, in that Empire Strikes Back, well, then, of course, they've got it all built up and stuff. You can tell they've been working on him for a while. So. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will say the one of the things I, I saw was that the animation for this, the animators um, went on to do, and we kind of talked about it last week or in the last episode, The um, they came out with a droids and an Ewoks cartoon. Right. And I think it was the same animation studio, although this kind of looked a little bit I don't know. I, I like the design style of this a little bit. It, it definitely has a design. You yeah. know, I kind of, when I, when you see something like this, I kind of think back to, um, you know, there was something back in the day I remember called liquid television on MP, MTV, where it was, you know, interesting art, art animation studios and stuff doing some interesting things. Right. Kind of got that look to it. So. Yeah. The, the style there, it made me think of like Alvin and the chipmunks. Like yeah. the old show. It's definitely got the, well, you know, and like I say, back in the day, that was, the animation was definitely not, um, the technology wasn't what we see now, right? You know, if you go back to, uh, think around the same time, maybe a little later than this, you get into He-Man um, and maybe Alvin and the Chickmunks and stuff. You start to notice that what they did is they had a lot of plates that were drawn and then they'd reuse them. Right. Maybe change the background, but it's still the same image of He-Man running, you know, and stuff. And that was, um, you know, to save money on the cartoons back in the day. But still, the animation style was very similar to this, this look and feel. But this is this is the one thing. This animated cartoon is the one thing that has been actually released. It was on the uh, one of the DVD or Blu-ray releases. It was released as a special feature. This just this oh, okay. animated cartoon. So this they actually take credit for. <laughs> yes. Well, this was actually, there was actually, you know, a plot. <laughs> there there it, was something going on. It was something. It was a story. It was a Star Wars story. It had all the voice actors. So Anthony Daniels was in there and um, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford. They all came back and did the voices for the characters, you know, and stuff for this animation as well. Probably because probably they're contractually obligated again. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of interesting that they did that. So I think it's cool that, like... The you, we were talking about earlier that uh, Boba Fett's like color scheme is different. I think it's cool that it's it's very similar to like Django's. Yeah, like what would have who would the of what would eventually become the design for Django? That's sort of like light blue and gray versus like the green that would Boba Fett would have. Yeah, it's end. definitely more light and pastel-y and stuff. Whereas by the time we get to Boba Fett and Empire Strikes Back, it's it's beat up, grungy, and you know beat down a little bit. So. Yeah. Um, which fun fact about Django, which I didn't actually know this in my research <laughs> when I was doing my Mandalorian thing, evidently in the legends continuity, he was a Mandalorian, but then I guess when Disney originally bought the thing, they scrapped that. So he was just a mercenary, but now evidently <laughs> they have retconned that again so that he is, I guess it was in a comic somewhere that he is officially a Mandalorian. Okay. Cause I thought in, in book of Boba Fett, he mentions how his dad was was inducted or something or, yeah. or a foundling. I guess, I guess he'd be a foundling then like, uh, um, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Like what's his name? Din. Din Jaren. There we go. Yeah. And Grogu. He's a foundling now. Maybe. I don't know. Technically the armor says it is. So I'm, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. But Drew. then she also booted him out. That's also true. Spoiler That's for point. book of Boba Fett. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so I mean, you know, this special did some things for us, I guess. And, and you know, it is kind of funny watching this, you know. Um, one thing you'll note, I guess another thing I forgot to mention, that one scene that the live-action Mark Hamill is in, in this, I don't know if you noticed how much his face is caked with makeup. I don't <laughs> know if you did any looking into that. Well, the reason it was, and I think, I can't, I can't remember if we've talked about this, but the reason it was is because after A New Hope, he got into... I, I thought I heard a motorcycle accident. Is it a motorcycle or a car accident? Huge reconstructive surgery on his face. And that's why at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, they did the Wampa thing because his face was, be- you know, give, give him a, a reason that his face looked different. Well, here, instead of giving him a reason that his face looked different, they just painted the crap out of it <laughs> so that you didn't notice it. So, so it's kind of interesting when you when you see that. It's like, oh, yeah, there's some, I mean, he's got plaster on there trying to make it look like he used to, but... His hair looks so stupid, too. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, he is caked up and ready to go. So, But, yeah, this I, that's what I had heard is that this they filmed this after his accident, which, of course, changed his facial structure and, and that sort of thing. So, It's kind of f- funny to watch that. Uh, another little tidbit, you got uh, R2 on the screen there. You'll notice during the credits they had, you know, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, and R2-D2 as R2-D2. Right. Well, that's because Kenny Baker didn't do it. They didn't have Kenny Baker in there. The only R2-D2 scenes are remote-controlled R2-D2 in this one. So. That's so funny. Yeah. So I, I think there was some uh, there's some lore out there, some discussion out there that it could have been that he might have been there. And then most times I'm hearing he's not. So that's why he's not credited in this one. So what did – so, I mean, we at, right at the beginning – you know, the tagline is Luke helps. And then yeah. <laughs> you're always like, well, he's in one seat. Does he even help? Or does he literally just say, don't worry, Chewbacca will get there. Cause yeah. I'm struggling to remember him doing any help, anything. I, I agree. I don't think he did any helping. Yeah. There was, there was no helping involved there. He definitely just, uh, he was there for moral support <laughs> and Leia there, you know, she calls up just to uh, demand to see Chewie, basically. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's talking to her, and she's like, oh, give me Chewbacca. <laughs> that, that was so funny. This this uh, right here does illustrate a problem I have with communication in the Star Wars universe, though. There is... Th- when you call somebody, there's no warning. Like, they, in, there's, like, a call initiated, and then you just show up. Yes, everybody goes, oh, hi. Yeah, there's never any, like, oh, let me answer. What if, like, just uh, about all the times in, like, the Clone Wars, where people will just <laughs> randomly, like, you know, try to call, I don't know, Emperor Palpatine. Like, Count Dooku will just call him out of nowhere. I guess, you know, because they're mounted on, because your communication devices are usually mounted on the wall... You're not worried about it. You're never in any compromising positions. You always know anybody could call at any point on this thing mounted on the wall. So if I'm doing any pooping or anything, I got to go in the other room. How many times do you think people call and there's just nobody there? It would be kind of weird. I, you know, maybe maybe a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, they it was all uh, implants or something, and they were just able to think that they wanted to answer it. Wow. I'm sure they've planned that far ahead. That's an issue I've had with Star Wars communication for years. And it's just never addressed anywhere. Let's see how they do that in Star Trek. Well, they, they got the the badge. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Next Generation. Uh, yeah. Or the or the flip phone. Of course, that you know was the predecessor for the flip phone yeah. in, in the original series. So, yeah, I guess you're right. At least in Star Trek, they're like, oh, the enemy ship is hailing us. And they're always like, ah, yes, take it. On screen, yeah. <laughs> On screen, yeah. They put effort in to be like, maybe they give them the option of, I don't want to talk to you right now. In Star Wars, they're just like, you're going to talk to me. <laughs> you're going to look right in my eyes when we do this. Well, for plot reasons, they always want to answer. Yeah, you know, like I said, and then of course everybody shows up at the end, and we get a hap- we get our happy times. But uh. yeah, there was th- I I will say it, it did have the standard uh, Christmas movie you know message at the end because Leia's like, we hope that one day everything's gonna be okay or whatever. <laughs> yes, she gave a wonderful speech. There's a I was watching something, and I don't know if this is true. I you know I'm not uh, a huge filmmaking nerd, but. Uh, I was watching a video on on uh, YouTube, and they actually call out a portion of that where 
Harrison has got a line and that you can see him look off to the side like he's reading the cue card and then look back and talk. <laughs> That's so funny. he's definitely phoning it in. And, and the, you know, if you look at his face there, you can tell he's not happy to be there. <laughs> it's correct. Like, even like in his, like in the beginning where he's doing his scenes with Chewie, he's like, Chewie's like freaking out. And he's like, ah, we'll get you there. Calm down. <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, what? Why did I always think it was going to be easy taking you back for life day? It's so stupid. Yeah, it's quite a, I mean, it is the thing. And like I say, this is more of a, um, something that's a, I mean, it's a historical thing. We, I noticed you, uh, you shared that Iron Man is in the, uh, uh, the, the uh, library, library oh, Congress. Oh, yes. I'm sure they should put this one in there just for the references. Just, <laughs> just so that people know that it happened and, and people learned from it. <laughs> yeah, we can't let this be erased from the history books. <laughs> I mean, we. so the thing is, is like I said, George had a plan. He wanted to do a Christmas special, Star Wars Christmas special every year, Star Wars holiday special every year, which obviously after this one, that fell through. But as we talked about with the Ewoks, his goal for the Ewoks was he wanted to do an Ewoks holiday special. And then they forced it into a two-hour special, two-hour movie, so they could put it in the movies, right? And, of course, you know, that's where we get all the stuff we discussed at the last season. So, I mean, obviously, he didn't learn completely. He just thought he was going to do it better. So, I don't know what we would have got for an Ewok holiday special, what kind of singing we would have had there. (laughs) Uh, You know, in the 80s, we might have had a whole different set of bands there, but... uh, that would have been funny. Can you imagine? It's like David Bowie just yeah. partying with the Ewoks. The Starman, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It worked perfectly. That's right. Ziggy Stardust? That's Nailed it. great. Yeah. You know, like I said, this, this it's one of those things. That, I mean, I saw it when you when you posted on the, uh, the Instagram that people need to watch it. I kind of thought to myself, do they? <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are plenty. Of, if you don't want to watch the whole hour and 45 minutes. Which is, you know, two hours without commercial. You could definitely uh, watch. There's plenty of uh, YouTube videos out there bashing it and talking about the worst movie ever and that sort of thing. But uh, I've never seen a picture of Anthony Daniels with hair before. I've never seen it with hair. Yes. By the time I've seen him, he's always lost it. Didn't he cameo? He cameoed in one of the uh, prequels, right? I think he was in one of the prequels. Has he? I have no idea. As a person. You oh, know, okay. like he, uh, um, he might have been like a bartender somewhere or something like that. I, I can't remember. Good. He isn't he like the only one, the only actor who's been in every single feature film. I think so. And he can put this on his belt. <laughs> That's true. I've been in every Star Wars thing. He's been even in the stuff that should every exist. live action Star. Well, I guess he wasn't in the Ewok movie, so we can't really lump it all. That's together. true. You know, every once in a while, there would be a scene of, you know, the Imperial messages. Like, their little, I don't even know what you would equate it to. Like a, a well, it's Amber the, uh, I mean, it, thing. yeah, it's the big brother always watching or always talking to you kind of thing, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> what they're going for, but. I have no idea. But I think they could have at least put in a little bit of effort to make them seem like, I don't know, like, I don't, there was just, uh, I don't know. I guess I don't even know how to put it into words. It was just so, like, weird and random, and they didn't even put any effort to add any, like, substance. Well, I gotta say that the um, the troopers and the officers that showed up in the, um, the Wookiee's house, they were told, you're Nazis. And they did that part. You know, they you can tell... That that's what they're going. Yeah. They're going for this over Gestapo kind of thing, you know, pushing people around, and they're in charge. So you can tell that that's what's going on now, you know. And I don't want to uh, spoil anything too much, but this is a it's an inkling of you know why the Empire loses control, right? Because they're acting like this, right? Right. And in uh, some current media that you haven't watched yet. <laughs> You can you start to see where um, they uh, uh, you know it, it's a good indicator of why there's rebels right because right. of the way that they're acting because they're doing this because they're popping up the TV because for some reason they force a uh, force everybody to turn around and watch a uh, cantina just to tell them that uh, they have to close up shop and there's a curfew in place 
due to rebel activity or, or whatever. They worded it different than rebels, but they definitely had a, you could tell that that's where they're at, right? They're right. at the place where they're doing that kind of thing. And, you know, that was kind of, if anything, that was kind of fun or, you know, you're, you're seeing other sides to things from George Lucas's 77 vision, right? right? You're seeing what he was thinking about when he's thinking about a rebellion taking over the empire because you're seeing that, that side of it. And then even the shopkeeper, you know, as soon as uh, the Chewie's wife calls him, you know, he's real quick to say, Oh yeah, that big walk, that big carpet that you ordered, I haven't seen him or he's on his way or something, you know, you can tell he's talking in code because uh, you know, and do you understand? Do you understand? (laughs) You know, and stuff, which obviously the delivery and the scene is terrible because he's selling a brush to that Imperial guy. But, um, besides that i mean you you can see what an inkling to what the mindset was or or what what maybe brought us the rebels cartoon or you know obviously you can see this is how george felt that his world was right you know even though this was a terrible way to illustrate it (laughs) yeah for sure one thing though that i will that will always bother me about the empire obviously the empire is bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because this is going to go down a weird rabbit Hot hole. Hot take, yeah. This is going to go down a weird rabbit hole. But the Empire, they really screwed themselves. Because I think if they had... Okay, so if, if we look at like the way the Clone Wars ended, not like the TV show, but the actual event, the Clone Wars. Right. The Clone War, singular, I guess. Yes. But um, the, when you look at the way it ends... You see that the, the reason the Empire was allowed to take over is because they made the Jedi look like these bad guys, right? So then I would think if the Empire wanted to stay in power, what they wouldn't do is immediately start, like, clamping down. And they wouldn't send out these these things. The wording in this uh, message where he's, like, talking to the Wookiees and he's like, there's no ships will enter and leave Kashyyyk. The delivery there is really bad. What he should have been like is for your own safety. That's there's a little tip for the empire. Well, there you go. The next, uh, <laughs> not regime, that I want them to win. <laughs> the next regime that wants to take over, we we're giving them the playbook, you know? And okay. So that is also because this was, you know, okay. The original thing is George Lucas's fantasy space fantasy. And if you think of Tolkien, same thing. You got good, you got bad. Right. Bad guys are bad, good guys are good. Right. And that's what Lucas was doing. You know, just just that kind of thing. Right. I do have to say, I can't wait for it to watch Andor. (laughs) (laughs) You got to watch it. We can't keep talking about this. (laughs) Um, But no, it's interesting. Yeah. Like I say, he was looking at it from a space fantasy where you've got good versus evil right. and it's good and bad. He's not worried about the stuff that you're worried about is how would this really work? Tried to do that, you know, in the prequels and we get trade federation, you know, and that sort of thing. And that, and, you know, he's trying to indicate how it could get to this way. Right. And it still didn't quite work out. Like you say, the clone Wars, the way it ended, it didn't quite, you know, again, there's no talk of anything. It's just, we're taking over cause we're bad. Yeah. You know, that's why that TV show is so good. That's why I'm mad that like it doesn't like not as many people know it because it adds like the Clone Wars TV show is the only reason I like the prequel era. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean the Empire's dumb, <laughs> frankly. Again, hot take, <laughs> hot take. I think it is cool though. Like ah, that's a I was going to continue talking about the Clone Wars because now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> well, it's more interesting than this show. Yeah, it is. No, I, I, I mean, it is, I'm glad that he at least had, like, the foresight to be like, maybe I should try and add a little bit more context to this evil empire, you know, and as little as they <laughs> added. <laughs> it's it's nice to see that he at least thought maybe we should do something. Right. Yeah, and that's, you know, you, you get, and, and you can even see it with Empire Strikes Back, you know, you, he always talks about the three-act play, and that was his goal for the three original movies, is... You've got your introduction. You've put them in the worst in, in Empire Strikes Back. You put them in the worst place possible, and then the the third act is they they survive and and thrive, right? So that's what he was looking at there. But if you think about it from that standpoint, the point of like I say, the point of New Hope is just to introduce and give you a good action movie, a good fantasy where you've got good and evil. And even in Empire Strikes Back, he's trying to do more with it, right? He's trying to put a little bit of a spin on it. He's got Lando, who's just 
he's a good guy, right? But he's got to do bad things. You know, right. or, or he's got to help out the bad guys to help himself. That right there is more nuanced than you get in A New Hope. Because A New Hope is good guys and bad guys. Here we've got Lando, who is trying to just be there, trying to help his people and, and you know, trying to take care of himself. So you've got good and bad. You know, like I say, as soon as you get past that initial thing that caught everybody's attention, then you can start playing with it. And then, of course, he just keeps on going with it. So. Right. I always like the thing where it was like Lando and Han are like the same person. It's just that Han just so happened to like fall in with the good, like with the rebel, whereas Lando happened to fall in with the Empire because he was just, Han was trying to save himself and Lando was trying to save himself. (laughs) I always thought that was They're both doing their thing. Han just happened to fall in with that crowd. Yeah, they're both morally ambiguous. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, this is obviously more talk than anybody's ever given based off of this holiday special alone. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's you know again it's it's an an expansion of things or it's trying to expand the universe and that's what we got so on a TV budget. <laughs> yeah. Although I do think sure. what they say. Oh, I forgot already. It had a decent budget. It was pretty expensive at the time. I believe they said on the holiday special. Uh, pretty expensive for a holiday special, and I got to think that that's uh, well, that's Grandpa's suit. I'm sure that was expensive, but um. To make it look accurate. Estimated a million. I think, yeah, now that that refreshed, I think that's what I heard too. But And what what did we decide? Like Jedi was like 33 million or something? Yeah. Yeah. It was right around there. 33, 32, something like that. What was the budget? Do you know what A New Hope was? Just out of curiosity. Not specifically. For some reason, I think, I know it went over budget. I think George had to throw some of his own money in, if I remember right. Uh, around 11. 11 okay. million. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a jump. A New Hope is like 11 million. Like, that's actually, considering how decent that movie is, that's impressive, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's what they, you know, they all the documentaries talk about the fact that it was a uh, a movie that was done on a shoestring budget because they didn't know. At that time, you didn't have the tentpole films. Right. Right. The tentpole action and the summer blockbusters, all that kind of thing, that wasn't a thing. You know, this kind of helped usher in that era, but you didn't know. I mean, they talk about, you know, you see documentaries and stuff where the way they did the speeder. At one point, George says the way we did the speeder is we we put a little uh, Vaseline on the lens so you didn't see the wheels under it, you know, and stuff. And that's how we did our special effects, you know. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you it was amazing what he did with what he had. So that he could get this product out that everybody loved. And then, of course, that's why he wanted to go back and add to it when he had the ability later. Right. They could have, uh, I think we could have had a, a redo of the uh, holiday special. Throw a little bit more money at it. and Yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't think there's any way they could have saved it. Considering, like, how, you know, impressive the, the alterations he made to the original trilogy were, I don't think. Uh... Well, it would be all animated. They take out all the things and just redo it as an animated special. I mean, I haven't, I, I, you know, the the Lego uh, movie put out their Star Wars holiday special. I don't think I've ever watched it. I'm kind of curious now. I'm a little morbidly curious to see. I'm sure it's a lot better. Uh, you know, those Lego movies are fun, you know, and stuff. Yeah. So I'm sure it's a better situation than, well, it would be tough to be less. But, um, but you know, recently they did, you know, Marvel goes back in and, of course, is Disney and Disney owns Lucasfilm and blah, blah, blah. Um did the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which is something that I see, you know, is a, uh, you know, I'll get my short review is it's a callback to the old holiday specials. I think of it as in, in comparison to um, not a variety show, but uh, in comparison to like Charlie Brown Christmas, where it's just a short little Christmas story, you know, and stuff. Right. And that's what they're doing with that. And maybe that would have been more of a thing with um, the Star Wars special instead of this variety show model. But like I said, you got to fill two hours. You know, do you film a whole movie or do you just film little tiny things that you think are funny on the on the set? But right. Obviously didn't come across that way. So. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll still never understand the thought process behind this at all. I still I mean, and granted, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, variety shows just aren't a thing since I've been alive. <laughs> so that there's part of that is my reason for not understanding. But like. I just don't get if the whole point of it is that it's about trying to get Chewbacca home to his family. 
why wouldn't the whole thing about being trying to get Chewbacca home to his family? Why is that like three minutes of the whole hour and 47? And I, I get, look, Han, Han Solo definitely didn't, wouldn't have signed on to do a whole like hour and a half movie of him and Chewie, but but still. Well, they've definitely taken that model and moved it. I mean, so you'll see, um, and we don't do a lot of live TV, but you'll see, you know, Christmas in New York, right? The concerts and stuff like that where they're doing that kind of thing and they'll bring out a bunch of musical acts and just do a show, right? right. That's the uh, evolution of this kind of thing, okay. right? That's, that's what a variety show was at the time. It was who do we have in our stable that we want to make sure gets out there because maybe they've got a TV show on CBS, right? right? Or something like that. The whole point of it is kind of a big commercial in a way in that they want to get these people in. And, you know, B. Arthur famously said the only reason she did it is because her son loves Star Wars, Right. So you get these people that, for whatever reason, they just want to be in a Star Wars variety thing. Again, it's probably because they have some kind of thing they want to sell. Um, it may be because, you know, I don't know, they might have threw some money at Harvey Corman because he was that variety show guy, right? Right. So you bring a little cachet there and that kind of thing where they're trying to build it up. Again, at the time, that was the, the entertainment because you didn't have a lot of options. So when you're watching a show, if you get a lot of options in the show, you're good. Right. You know, so... <laughs> and we got a lot of options. <laughs> all of them are well, I'm not gonna say all of them are terrible. How about that? Uh well, on that final <laughs> final note, I think that's a good uh a good final sentiment for this for this uh this I I don't even want to call it a movie. This uh project. <laughs> right now it's only a YouTube video, so there you yeah, go. A YouTube original. <laughs> Um, I do have to say the best part though was watching the YouTube video when they when they announced that the Incredible Hulk and Wonder <laughs> Woman will not be seen tonight. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Gives you a little inkling of what we overwrote just to see this. Can you imagine how angry you would be if like you were expecting to watch you know Lou Ferrigno and then this came on? You got this. <laughs> I'd be so angry. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I I gave it a two when I posted that review on the um, the, the Instagram account. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? A two is objectively generous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to give it a one. That felt fake. It's still Star Wars. <laughs> it's, it's got the name. The name alone gives it a two. <laughs> Brand recognition. That's, That's what's right. important here. Now, like I said, I mean, I do. It's one of those morbid things, I think. I do agree with you when you posted that people need to watch it now. It's it's definitely something to see just to say you've seen it. Yeah. And then try spend the next 10 years trying to forget it. Yeah. I'm going to continue to tell people it's canon <laughs> just to see, just so they have to watch it. But yeah, with that, I suppose we will. Oh, this is going to this is this is going to be on posted on Christmas Eve. So Excellent. have a. Good life day. <laughs> Merry, Merry life day. Yes. All right. Night.